in a lot of cities, but I'm just speaking specific to Charlotte because this is where I live, this is where I've grown up, this is where I've spent the overwhelming majority of my life, there's almost a tale of two cities. And so how do you take care of people who are, who are on the other side? Welcome to the Common Good Hour, hosted by Drew Reynolds, Roger Zaglupe, and Carrie Rebens. In this podcast, you'll learn about the ways nonprofit and social sector professionals are tackling the big problems of our time, so you can improve your practice and advance the common good in your community. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Common Good Hour. I'm Drew Reynolds. And I'm Roger Zaglupe. And we are thrilled to be back in the podcast studio, um, up and running again. We took a little bit of a, a break there with the pandemic and everything, but excited to start up with um, some amazing new uh, guests this coming spring. So we're super excited about that. And of course, I have missed having a chance to do podcasts with Roger. So Roger, it is great to see you again. Man, I am just thrilled that we get a chance to work together in 2021. I know we took a little bit of a breather towards the end of 2020. So much was going on, uh, a lot of uncertainty. And um, with, with family, uh, family work, with work work, um, with self-work for, you know, for us. And so I'm so glad that we are mobilizing into 2021 with just some great episodes. I'm so stoked that our listeners get a chance to experience this. So yeah, and, and uh, we're going to do a short intro today because we've got an amazing interview with Gerard Littlejohn, who's the executive director of the Steve Smith Foundation. I am so pumped for this interview and to get it out. We just finished up our conversation with him and can't wait for that to go out to you all. But before we do that, I just want to do a quick reminder to take the time to like and follow us on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. You can find us there at Common Good Hour. Usually you should be able to find us out there. And uh, you can also check out our website. If you go to uh, www.commongooddata.com, you'll be able to navigate to the Common Good Hour. So that way you can follow up on the newest podcasts that are coming out this spring and also take a look at some of the ones that we had previously up. And so we're looking forward to um, having you join us and engage on the, on social media. So let's do this. So here we'll go ahead and, and dive right into our interview with Gerard. Hey everyone, I am Roger Saclupe. And I'm Drew Reynolds. Today we are joined by the amazing Gerard Littlejohn. Gerard is the current executive director of the Steve Smith Foundation. His experience includes working for the NBA's Charlotte Hornets, as well as corporate social responsibility work with Lowe's and Dick Sporting Goods. His work with Steve Smith also extends to them hosting a podcast together on iHeartRadio called Cut To It. Gerard, we really want to thank you for, for joining us today on our podcast. I know that you're really, really busy. Um, I was just listening to the podcast, uh, the latest podcast episode you and, and Steve Smith recorded about uh, self-care and um, being okay with not taking on that next meeting or not taking on that next project. And while I'm listening to the podcast, I'm walking my dog and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe that uh, You know, I, I reached out to Gerard and he said yes to this. And I'm thinking he, he may have wanted to spend time with his family. He, he may have just wanted to spend time with himself. So we we're really thankful that you said yes and, um, and, and that you're joining us today. Well, number one, thank you guys for, for having me on the podcast. And no, although we talked about self-care and, and talking about, you know, not taking the extra meeting or spreading yourself too thin, as I like to say, for me, I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in you make time for things that you find beneficial and you think are going to be beneficial for the other person. So for me, 
knowing this platform, knowing this platform is about highlighting the good that is going on in communities and, and also um, how you guys are making a difference, whether it's conversations about mental health, which you know I'm always open to have, or whether it's just even for me the other day, I was, was having lunch with someone who I've been mentoring for the last year or so. And he almost had the exact same comment of, man, I know you're busy and, and you're making time to have lunch with me. And, and he'll send me a lot of different things, whether it's career opportunities that he's thinking about or whether it is um, just career advice. And I'm always open and I'm always making myself available. And I do that because one, it's, it's, it's beneficial to me because I have to make sure that I'm utilizing whatever platform that I have, I'm using it for, to, for good. And that also it's beneficial for the other person to where I'm adding value to their life or I'm adding value to whatever it is that they're doing. So for me, uh, saying yes to this podcast isn't stretching myself too thin. Stretching myself too thin is when I say yes to everything. And so I've, I've learned from doing that before. And so I don't do that, but also say yes to the things that I know that will help someone because for me that's what it all that's what it all boils down to how do i how do i help someone said yes to me at some point in time whether it was in my career whether it was when i was in elementary school whether it was in athletics whether it was in anything that i've chosen to do someone has said you know what let, let me invest and so for me that's what i i choose to do with other people and in situations like this it's an easy yes. So for me, I'm, I'm honored to be here. Thank you for having me. And I'm excited about the conversation we're going to have. So am I, so am I. And real quick for our listeners, a little bit backstory, a little bit of a backstory. Um, when I first heard about your podcast with, with C Smith cut to it, I, you know, I enjoy just listening to different types of podcasts. It's, you know, we're still under the pandemic. And so, um, I'm walking my dog and, and I hit play and I was just blown away. And mm -hmm. I, I believe that y'all uh, put out the first episode in September. Correct. And September 15th. Yeah, September 15th. And I just absorbed, like, I was like, wow, this is speaking to me. And and I reached out to you, right? I, I, I reached out to you via LinkedIn. And I said, you know what? I, he's, I know he's a busy person. He's doing all these things. He's an executive director of a foundation. He's doing a podcast. Like, I don't really think he's going to respond to me. But, and I sent it out and you immediately responded. And um, I just was very grateful that you did. And when I kind of said like, hey, would love to maybe one day have you on the podcast that that my friend Drew and I, my colleague Drew and I um, host, you immediately said yes. And, and wow, I mean, I just needed our listeners to know that not because I'm plugging, you know, I'm, I'm pumping up cut to it or anything, but you guys do talk about incredible things. And we're so excited to have you on here because we want to know about, your work with the Steve Smith Smith Foundation. And and that kind of leads us, segues us into this first question that I have. Um, if you can tell us, tell our listeners about the Steve Smith Foundation and and how their mission is improving the quality of life for members of our community. Yeah, so uh, number one, uh, of course, I'll say thank you uh, again for having me on this podcast. It was it was an easy one as well, Roger. I know you're a professor at UNC Charlotte. That's where I went. So uh, you you shout out UNCC. You you teach at my alma mater, so of course, um, you know that that place has has propelled me to where I am now, being able to uh, get it get a get a college education and uh, get my degree in communication. So uh, number one, that's that's that's. Uh, 
just want to make sure I shout out UNC Charlotte. The Steve Smith Foundation, we have two focus areas, uh, domestic violence. So that is uh, bringing awareness to and providing services for victims and survivors of domestic violence. Steve grew up in California, in Los Angeles, and his mom is a survivor of domestic violence. He witnessed it um, as early as age five. And then I've gotten a lot more comfortable sharing my story to where my mom is a survivor as well. Now, um, her incidents happened before I was born with her first husband, yet I've still had to grow up with the ramifications of what happened after that. So we've done a lot of work, whether it's directly with shelters, whether it's on the back end in um, providing counseling services or providing holistic services for survivors, but, but we've been doing that work since the foundation's inception in 2013. And so that's one of our um, just key focus areas. The other focus area that we have is family health and wellness. And a lot of people hear health and wellness and they think active lifestyle, they think healthy eating, but for us, health and wellness is really how do we provide wraparound services for the family overall? How do we give a family access to care? Whether that's health care, whether that's mental health care, whether that's spiritual health care, those are the things that our foundation activates out of. And we tie both of those together through a couple of different programs that we have. One, um, not probably so much as a program as it is a service, but since 2016, we've had our own freestanding medical and counseling clinic called the Smith Family Wellness Center, which is here in Charlotte on the east side of Charlotte. For any listeners who are outside of the region, there are pretty much two concentrated areas of poverty in Charlotte, kind of three, but but really the east side of Charlotte and west side of Charlotte. East side of Charlotte is where this is located at, in the heart at the corner of Central Avenue and Eastway. Um, you've got one of the highest populations of people who don't have insurance, one of the highest populations of people who don't have transportation. And overall, Charlotte as a whole is 50th out of 50 when it comes to upward social mobility. What does that mean? It means that people who are born poor in Charlotte out of all the 50 large metropolitan cities are more than likely to stay poor here in Charlotte than in any other city that that study was done on in the 50 large populous cities. So uh, it's really important where that center is located. However, since 2016, when we launched it, we've seen over over 6,000 unique patients. Just in 2020, we had right over 2,600 counseling appointments. So from a counseling standpoint, we see everything from domestic violence to trauma, to mental health, to a number of different things. We, we do everything from a counseling perspective outside of substance abuse. We just don't do that. We don't have the facilities um, or, the, or the manpower to do that. And then we also provide free medical services through a partnership with Novant Health. We're able to get uh, physicians. We're able to get a nurse practitioner. We have a full-time medical director. And we've seen right around 2,300. 2020 was actually the first year where we had more counseling than medical. And so we've been doing that since 2016. And then here in 2020, excuse me, last year in 2020, we launched um, a virtual learning center for 108 uh, housing challenged youth through Charlotte Mecklenburg Schools and their McKinney Vento program. We were able to partner with them. We created a space for these kids to learn. These kids that are routinely living in shelters, they're living in motels, hotels, and we're not talking about Westons or Ritz Carlton's. They're in um, crime infested, drug infested areas. 
areas that have prostitution and, 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 and other things that does not provide adequate space for someone to do remote learning. They're living cars, they're living um, with grandma, anything where you just don't have an address. And so we're able to provide that. We've been doing it since August. Um, since we've done that, we've seen 30% increases in math and ELA scores. Just since that time frame, we've distributed over 2,600 meals. We've, we're starting to embark on how do we provide mental health services for them where they are. These kids are uh, kindergarten through fifth grade. So we're just trying to figure out how we just can holistically serve during the pandemic. Um, the pandemic did nothing but probably exacerbate a lot of different things that was happening pre-pandemic when it comes to the gap, education gap primarily is what I'm referring to, because typically the population that we're serving, which is uh, even under low income, but, but generally low income students, they have what's called a summer slide during the summer months, if you guys are familiar with that. But in the three months during summer, pretty much their counterparts may go to a STEM camp or they may go to some other academic camp. Well, low-income students, for the most part, don't go to camps or, or because they're not in school day-to-day, -day, they fall behind in their counterparts. So when you start adding that up three months by three months by three months, kids generally start to fall behind. So low-income students are generally two years behind their counterparts anyway. When you add on what happened with the pandemic, from March when the pandemic first hit until August when remote learning started to, to roll in. Now you're looking at an almost six or seven month gap. Why is that important? Well, it goes back to that upper mobility conversation. If that continues to add on and add on and add on, let's just say a six-year-old who's in the first grade, when they become 14, 15, at some point in time, when they're so far behind, what will they do? They'll drop out. And when they drop out, their lifetime earning potential plummets. And we're right back to the upper mobility situation because these kids who may have been born poor, they don't have to stay poor, but because they were born poor, they're more than likely to stay poor. And, and, and so we're just doing what we can do from the reach that we have, from the influence that we have, from the resources that we have. Those are just the two things that our foundation is doing right now to just meet the needs of people. Gerard, I, I mean, I'm blown away. I'm taking so many notes right here, right now. And um, my, my notes look like a puzzle because I'm just writing voracious, I mean, just writing everywhere. Like, and um, first of all, I want to thank you for just allowing Drew and, I, Drew and I and our listeners into your space. Um, you had mentioned earlier, um, you know, the reason that the, the Steve Smith Foundation is, exists is because of the experiences Steve Smith had growing up. And then you shared yourself um, the experiences that your mom had as well. Uh, so we, we definitely want to acknowledge that and just say thank you for that because it does come from a space of vulnerability. And as Drew and I know in our work before um, and, and even now currently, um, being vulnerable is something really difficult and um, you just don't give that to people. And, and we do appreciate that gift that you just, you just let us have right now. And, um, and I'm just very thankful. A couple of things I want to highlight that you said, access to care. I mean, that's so important. I don't know how, um, I don't know if folks realize that um, there's this misconceptions about communities, particularly communities of color, um, that, you know, oh, they don't want help. But the reality mm -hmm. is that if you don't have access 
just access to information, then it's really hard to know what's out there. And so yeah. just, just the fact that there are other communities that do have access to resources and information, et cetera, that puts them on a different platform. And I'm so glad that you talked about that because um, from what I heard and from what I know about the this foundation is that all these different programs that you have, it's, it's providing the community the opportunity to have access to that resource, to have access to better learning, to have access to what you talked about, social and upward mobility. And I appreciate that. And, and for our listeners, if you aren't familiar with um, what Gerard talked about, uh, you know, Charlotte ranking 50 out of 50, 50th in, you know, nationwide, um, he's, he's talking about the Chetty report that came out in 2014. And, um, you know, I encourage y'all to go out and, and do your own research about it, but it's um, Rod Chetty. He's a professor, a Harvard professor. Yeah, and Harvard, the, yep. yeah. And uh, the Chetty, the Chetty Report, C H E T T Y, talks in depth about um, what you know what they found out. So, um, uh, Drew, do you, um, I didn't mean to to uh, you know take over the conversation. Do you have anything you want to kind of highlight or add? Oh, you're good. Don't worry about it. Um, you know, Gerard, I was really struck when you started talking about um, students and students who uh, are eligible for McKinney Vento services, who are housing challenged or who are homeless. And I am just, I wanted to follow up on that because that's a, an area of work that I've been involved in in Charlotte for a number of years as well. And just to kind of talk a little bit for folks just about what, how, how are you seeing the impact of the pandemic hitting students? And what is what does it look like for a student who's going through some of those challenges in their day-to-day? How is their school experience different? I'll, I'll give you a couple of real-life examples. We had one student who showed up, actually multiple students, but for the, for the sake of this, we'll, we'll say one, early on when we first started doing this. And so when we launched, uh, August 31st was our first day. And so when we first launched for the first week and a half, it was largely trying to just get kids on. And, and even for that caught up around 50% of our kids, it was 47% to be exact, but so rounded up to about 50% had gone blank, zero dark 30, no attendance since, like I mentioned before, March of the previous year. So same calendar year, 2020, but, previous school year. So even though they had a laptop, even though they had a hotspot, they still had not logged on. And why is that? Well, that's for a number of reasons. It is because I may be living in a car and the kid that I was going to talk about, you show up and yes, I have a laptop. Yes, I have a hotspot, but it's not charged. Why is it not charged? Well, because they live in a car. That's why. Or we had kids who um, we were trying to get one student. I, I, young man and we were trying to get him logged on. And I remember asking him when I was there kind of the first couple of days just to make sure everything's happening. Hey, when's the last time you logged on? I don't know. And then one of our tutor administrators comes around and said, yeah, we're, we're working on trying to find his information. I called his mom, his mom doesn't know it. Uh, and so I elevated it to his teacher and, and long story short, we ended up having to work with CMS and we ended up having to build a spreadsheet and get all the Zooms and the Canvas logins. And so I say all of that to say, one, when you ask me what, what's happening day to day, I mean, you have 
parents that don't know and, and we don't know why they don't know right i'm not saying that they don't care because most of our parents they care they want the same education that probably all of us want for our kids all of our listeners it just so happens that we have to what roger talked about we have access right most of us have high-speed internet we have a stable connection we have dedicated workspace like an office that i'm sitting in or an office that roger is in or so we have all of those things and we tend to forget but for other people they just don't have access to that and so this space was important is that number one we could provide that access we could provide a place that had internet we could provide a place that gave meals so many of our kids uh, food insecurity is a huge gap they're not getting three square meals a day our parents, our families, they're in survival mode. They don't know when their next meal is going to come. It may not always be a hot meal or a balanced meal. So we're able to give that. Um, we've been able to see kids that you know, routinely their way to, they wear the same stuff over and over again. Just a number of things. We had one, we had one little girl who during the first week, she sleep all the time. What do we find out? Her mom and her tend to basically sleep with one eye open in the shelter because if they move or if they have to get up, they may lose their bed. So they're basically staying up all night because they're, they don't want to lose the space that they have because, you know, with most shelters, you have to stand in line. And then, you know, women and children tend to get in first, but there's also not a guarantee that you will be in there every single day. And so she sleep during the day, but that's because that's the only time that she can get rest. And, and so those are the real life examples of, of what this population is, is, is experiencing is, is what's going on in, in the real day to day lives. And so it's, it's really easy. I think, especially in this day and age to just label and, and to just, and to, and to lay blame and to do all of those things. But we, we don't often look through the lens of what is a person's real learned experience? What are they really going through? And, and that has forced, uh, I think, everyone to look at situations through a different lens. And I challenge everyone to look through situations through a different lens because I think we're just too quick to, to jump to conclusions. We're so quick to um, solve problems that maybe don't even exist. And so for us, these are, but, but we're able to see real life what's been going on. And, and, and those are just a couple of examples. I mean, we've got kids who aren't on grade level, right? And I can't sit here and say, we're going to be able to get all these kids at grade level. We may not be able to do that. But what I can tell you that we're going to do is we're going to work our butts off to be able to make a tailored plan for everyone to try to do what we can to go back to that. When I mentioned the, the, the gap when it comes to education, let's figure out what we can do to just slowly chip away at that gap. That's what we can do. And we can continue to do the work that gives kids their meals. We can continue to, to, to love on them. That is, that is, you know, more of an, an intangible, but we can, we can't necessarily measure it, but we know that that has impact. So we can do that and we can just provide a space where we know that they're safe during the day that they are protected and we can just do our part. And so that's, that's, that's pretty much a, a big chunk of the why, but those are the real life experiences that we've been seeing. And wow. I mean, again, blown away. I, I think there's so many, I have so many thoughts in my brain right now. I can't, I'm trying to figure out, I'm trying to sort them and filter them. Right. But uh, you know, one thing just right now that you mentioned um, for that kiddo, who's, you know, spending time in the learning center, 
Somebody may said you might have said to them, or somebody might have said to them, like, "Hey, good job." That might have been the first time that kiddo exactly. has heard somebody say to them, "Hey, good job." You know, absolutely. And and I think that's important for for our listeners to understand, and and or at least just try to view it from that perspective. Like, you, t- I mean, gosh, you talked a lot about what resonates with Drew and I. Um, I think it's really easy for us to see things on the surface, or to see mm-hmm. people for who they are on the surface. Um, and so we can judge easily what we see, but what we can't see is what's inside or the yeah. roots, right? The, the roots, the beginnings of, of what may have been a traumatic event or experiences Absolutely. or multiple or different types and over the years that they've accumulated. And so, you know, it's really easy to, for people to kind of judge what they only see, but not truly know what's going on. And, um, and I, I think with the work that y'all are doing is really important because you're looking at things from a holistic perspective. And again, I know this is something that resonates with Drew and I, um, you know, that, that health is health and mental wellness. So it's like, it's mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a, it's a cycle. It one, if you, if you improve one, you're going to definitely improve the other and it's just cir- uh, circular. So, yeah. and, and that is that, you know, in looking at the information that y'all have on the, on the website and, and hearing you talk, you know, since September on the podcast up to now and having you on here, I mean, I can see how deeply you care about the community. And everything that y'all are doing, it's addressing those needs. Some some of it is addressing the basic needs that we all mm-hmm. deserve to have access to. But then you guys are going further. You know, you're you're going further beyond the basic needs as well. And um, we're so grateful for what you guys are doing. You're right. Um, I know that there was an article that came out, and I believe the news covered it as well back in March. Uh, no, back in May, about three thousand around three thousand students CMS. Have, have they they did not hear from about 3,000 students since the schools closed because of pandemic in March. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, that's a lot of students that's to not lot. just go, you know, dark. Like, we don't know where they are. We don't know what they're doing. We don't know where they are um, academically. And, you know, you're right. It, there, there's that falling behind, but then there's also that falling behind academically and socially and emotionally and, 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 you guys are providing that space for, for children, for people to grow. Yeah. You're planting the seeds. Not only are you planting the seeds, you're nurturing, right? And not only are you nurturing, but you're, you're coming back and checking, checking in to make sure that there aren't other things around what you just planted that's going to negatively impact that growth. And then there's sustainability. Even mm-hmm. after you see growth, you're still, you're still coming back, right? You're pouring into it. So um, man, I'm blown away. Like I said, I, 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 I appreciate it. I appreciate all those kind words and you're right. I mean, it's, it's, we're trying to definitely take the, the more holistic approach. How do you, um, because if we, if we, if we just did it at the basic level, then we would have said, Oh, we got them. We got them laptops. We got them hotspots. We got them Wi-Fi, And then that was it. But, but what else is going on in their lives to where we can, we can add value, right? What, how do we look at, not just getting the meals that we get from CMS, but even on Fridays, like we try to make sure that we have a hot meal. We actually do it on Tuesdays and Fridays. So how, how do you give a hot meal? Um, so we, we definitely are trying to look at how do you help all the way around? Because it's it for, for everything that we just said, upper mobility to, to gaps, none of that is the fault of the students, right? They're, they didn't, they didn't ask to be in the position that they're in. So how do you advocate for them? And that's just, this is just what we can do. We, we have plans of definitely taking this work forward. At some point in time, 
we won't be doing virtual learning because at some point in time we'll we'll get through this pandemic the doors of schools will open back and, and they'll be back in school however there will still be those same needs. There will still be needs of how do you assist with homework completion? And we can do, and we can do that. How do we assist with their social and emotional learning at their level, right? So, so that's something else that we'll look at. Um, there's still gonna be, how do you give nutritious and healthy meals? And so we wanna be able to do all of that through an after-school program that is exclusive to McKinney-Vento children. And so we have plans of doing that date TBD because we're still trying to navigate through the pandemic and when schools open back up. So right now there is not a quote unquote need for it, but that's where this work is going to where that goes to, to what you mentioned before of how do we make this sustainable? Because the needs won't go away. And, and similar to what I think Drew may have been talking about, this pandemic did nothing but put a microscope on underlying issues that were already there, right? That's what this did. Many of these families that we talk about who have been challenged by upper mobility, you meant this, the study came out in what, 2013? Is that right? They just read out, that study came out in 2013. So the, the pandemic didn't hit for seven more years. So these have been issues that have been, I don't wanna say dormant because they've been active in these communities, but we are now paying a lot more attention because it's right in our faces and the, 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 the work is right there. So this did nothing but activate things that had already been going on to where there's almost a tale of, of, of two cities when it comes to, to Charlotte. And I'm sure it's the same for every other metropolitan city. It's not exclusive to Charlotte, but it is, you know, there is, unfortunately, there's not a level playing field. If we want to be completely honest, there's not a level playing field. One of the One of the, the sayings that, that always grinds me is, well, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Well, the thing that, that bothers me about that statement is that we're assuming that everyone has a pair of boots. And that's not, that's not the case, right? Every person doesn't have a pair of boots in which to pull themselves up by their bootstraps. So if we know that, then we can all agree that there's not a level playing field and that we have to do what we can do to, to help those who don't have access to the boots, right? So that's that's pretty much what our work entails around. So it, it's doing nothing, but this pandemic has done nothing but shine a light on a lot of um, issues and things that have been going on for a very, very long time. Yeah, I, I don't, and again, I, I think what you're talking about, it, it's hitting, it's, it's just hitting me on so many different levels and you know you mentioned food like for example mm -hmm. just like i don't know about y'all but if, if i don't get my food in me uh i mean yeah. i'm all over you i can't I, function right yeah, i can't, can't function think. right so imagine some of these because i didn't mean to cut you off but i think i know where no, you're, you're going yeah. imagine some of these kids trying to learn on an empty stomach right so not only do we give them two meals but we've we've also we through a number of different partnerships whether it's been through um Second Harvest, where Second Harvest Food Bank, whether it's been through Classroom Central, we've had an ex, an extensive relationship with Canteen, uh, who provides a lot of different uh, lunch and food services for a lot of different companies, um, as well as uh, Elevation Outreach. So we've had a number of different people who have been able to stock uh, our 
quote unquote pantry with so many different snacks that we can have to where they can just be able to go and grab things as they need because of what you just hit on is very hard to learn or function when you have an empty stomach to your point man there are some days where i'm i'm fueled on coffee and i don't have a meal and then around 12 or one o'clock when i stop and i'm like man i'm hungry you realize you hadn't been up you have not been working under optimal conditions so what would happen with a six-year-old seven-year-old eight-year-old same exact thing they can't learn and as we talk about food insecurity we can give them access. We can give, again, going, I don't mean to sound like a, a broken record, but we can, you can throw a laptop at a kid. You can throw a hotspot at a kid, but that doesn't mean they are now having school. And mm -hmm. so if they don't have electricity, right, to charge up that laptop, if they don't have a full stomach, if they don't have adequate workspace, if they don't have someone to show, hey, here's how you operate Zoom. Here's how you troubleshoot your computer if something doesn't work. Here's how you upload that document onto Canvas so that you get credit for that assignment. That doesn't happen in the spaces that they would be in if they weren't in this space. And, and I wanna put a pin right there too, to where in the grand scheme of things, there are a little over 5,000 kids who are in the McKinney-Vento program in Charlotte. We have 108. So we're nowhere near meeting the needs of the entire community. However, I, I do celebrate that we're doing something with 100 kids, right? Like we have a place where 100 kids are making progress, whether it's through um, reading scores or our 90% homework completion rate or all the meals that we've been able to distribute. We're doing something. But in the grand scheme of things, as you mentioned before, there are 3,000 kids who have been counted as absent. There are, I think there were other reports of almost 18,000 who didn't even have working internet, right? So all these numbers, again, all it does is compound to where we're doing what we can. And, and do we have um, aspirations to grow and reach more people? Yes, we wanna make sure that we're also being accurate, that we're also making sure that we don't bite off more than we can chew, but if you add up all these numbers, there's gonna be a profound effect on our education system. And, and we are uh, going to be losing kids that, we, that we've clearly already lost given the statistics that you shared, but this is gonna have a long-term effect on a lot of people. And we're just doing what we can in I the agree. grand scheme of things to, to, to just try to help and to just try to make a difference. In the, the, the families that we're serving through the virtual learning center and also the families that we serve through the Smith family wellness center. We're, we're just trying to do our part. Right. I think we're going to see, especially now that we've been living in this pandemic, the um, sort of the after effects, right. Um, yeah. Right. Right now it, it, we are definitely feeling the impact, mm -hmm. but we're going to start seeing a lot more six months from now, a year yeah. from now, whenever this starts simmering down a bit is when we're going to start seeing a lot of, you know, the, the, the effects the collateral of collateral damage. Exactly. Um, you know, for our listeners real quick, I, you know, you 5,000 kids who are currently classified under the McKinney Vento. And, and mm -hmm. for listeners, if y'all don't know about the McKinney Vento act, I, I urge you to research and do, you know, do your research on it. But basically what that is, is 5,000 kids are experiencing or experiencing homelessness in the community. That's, those are who, those are, those are also, I mean, because those are who have opted in. Right. right. So that, those are people who have said, hey, 
I don't have an address. Those are people that have that have said that, but we're also not counting the people who have not opted in. So the right. number is probably higher. That's just the number that we have data wise that have said, hey, I'm either living with a friend, I'm living in a motel, I'm living in a shelter. Those are people who have opted in. Right. And for me, that number is not only astronomically too high, it should be zero. Absolutely. It should be zero children in our, in our, in anywhere, but here locally where we are, because we're in Charlotte, in our school system, there should be zero children experiencing that. The fact that there's 5,000 known, like Gerard yeah. mentioned, there are so many that haven't identified. That's right. just, you know, but you know, you had mentioned that's about not 100. at fault also. That's, uh, that's not at fault of the school system, right? We, right. we, we mentioned this, it's, it's not at their fault. It's collectively, all of us in society should be mm -hmm. wondering well, how, how, how did we get here? And that's right. not to lump blame it at anyone, but it is something that all of us should be looking inward as to why, why do we have this problem? Right. Yeah. And thanks for that. I wasn't trying to, it was know, definitely societal, like as a society, we need to know, like we need to figure out like 5,000 kiddos, what in the world, but I'm so grateful that 108 children are receiving support um, who are identified as McKinney Vento, um, that they're receiving support through y'all. And, and that's just, a, I mean, again, that just goes, uh, you know, beyond what I can say in, 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 in my brain about what you guys are doing and how much of an impact you guys are having in the community. So, um, so if I can jump in, I have a question, Roger. Sorry, Drew. You know, I do. I have to, I have to jump in sometimes you keep going. You can't stop me. I mean, stop Gerard, if I keep, yeah, Gerard, when I get on a roll, man, <laughs> I love it. I it's love like it. that. It's like jump rope. You know, you're like, when am I, when am I going to get, when am I going to get in? So, um, yeah, I mean, well, and I even feel bad changing the topics cause I could talk about this one all day long. Um, and it's certainly dear, dear to my heart. Um, but I wanted to ask you about the, the health and wellness center and to talk mm -hmm. a little bit about, you know, we talked, just talked about how students, you know, what is it from the, the shoes of the student as they're trying to access school? Can you talk about it in a similar way about the families in the community you serve and say, what put us in perspective into their shoes? What are the barriers in access to care and how is COVID and the pandemic and everything, the, the, all of 2020, this racial injustice, all the things um, sort of building walls between people and healthcare? Great, great, great question. The last numbers that I, that I remember seeing, I, I think there were right around 150,000 people in Mecklenburg County that were either uninsured or underinsured. Now that was, I know those numbers were way before COVID hit. So when you think about uh, un unemployment and how that's hit, that, that number is probably way higher as well. So when you don't have insurance, um, it, it definitely limits you as well as where, you know, what zip code you live in, all of those different things, and then just underlying conditions of, let's be honest, black and brown people, uh, just leads to a lot of a lot of different barriers. And so what tends to happen when you don't have insurance is a lot of people end up using the emergency room as their primary care. The issue becomes that's an issue for hospital systems, that's an issue for just, just everyone, insurance companies, it becomes an issue for, for everyone. So what led us to doing the Smith Family Wellness Center was just seeing that there was a need. There was such a need for people to just get basic health care. So the, the nonprofit that we are able to align ourselves with to, to execute this center is called Project 658. 
And so we had some connections with them back in 2016, back when actually Steve was still playing with the Baltimore Ravens. And so we had a guy on our board that was doing some, some work with a, a member of, of their board. And Project 658 does a, a lot of remarkable work around um, impacted communities, international communities, um, just all the folks over on the east side of Charlotte that are just a, a melting pot of different cultures. They were doing a, a lot of work with, with them already. And one of the things they were doing prior to us meeting was they were doing a clinic once a month where they were just giving, they had a volunteer physician come in and they were just doing basic screening stuff, right? And so they were seeing people out of the door, long line, you know, up the hill, of, again, of just people who needed your basic health care, right? Stuff that probably you and I and everyone here, or maybe even listening, just probably takes for granted, right? You just think you just pay your $20 copay and you go on. It's not that easy for so many families. And so we just kind of started talking about what were the needs and, and that was a need. How can we expand this work? How can we have dedicated space for this work? And so there was a, a, a long story short, there was a facility that was available that was at the top of the hill that was still kind of on their campus, but would allow to be able to have a connected campus. And so our foundation purchased that building, retrofit that building. Now it has uh, three exam rooms, excuse, yeah, three exam rooms, uh, and then a, a, a counseling space to where the other thing that we learned was so many of these families that are on that side of town have so much unresolved trauma, right? Whether that is from a domestic violence standpoint, whether it's from an abuse standpoint, whether it's from a mental health condition standpoint. And so they had so many instances to where they couldn't even quantify it. And so we just wanted to do our part in, again, just providing access because that's just a big thing, right? When you don't have the money, access is severely limited. When you don't have the resource, access is severely limited. And so going back to what Roger said, like that is a common theme for us is how do we provide access to people who are often marginalized, who are often uh, overlooked, who are often you know, they, Steve uses this a lot and, and, and I love it when he says it, but who are the people on the other side of the stadium, right? So there's, it goes, and I think the the, the poignant part of, of that statement is going back, there's, there's in a lot of cities, but I'm just speaking specific to Charlotte because this is where I live, this is where I've grown up, this is where I've spent the overwhelming majority of my life. There's almost a tale of two cities. And so how do you take care of people who are, who are on the other side? I, I can, speak for myself, right? Like I can just hop in the car. If my daughter got sick right now, we'd pull up to urgent care and we, we wouldn't even worry about it. But for other families, that is a, that is an issue is what do I do if I get sick? And so many times we pretend that it doesn't happen. And even from a mental health standpoint, whether it is when we talk about anxiety or depression or bipolar or, or any other thing, we tend to act like nothing happens and that does nothing but compound problems. And then you see what, where we are to where, as I mentioned before, in, in 2020, we've now for the first year in f almost five years of operation, we had more counseling appointments in 2020 than we did medical appointments at a medical clinic, right? So that just speaks wow. to how much um, mental health is almost a pandemic of itself. And so we, again, you asked about things that have gone on in the pandemic. I mean, just the, the uptick in that has been jaw dropping, eye opening to where 
you know, those, the numbers are the way that they are, but the, to look at it from a different perspective and out of a different lens is we have a space to provide for them. We have um, uh, Diana, who is our, our lead counselor. She's trauma informed. She's the best of the best. And so even though that we have quote unquote marginalized people, we don't want to give them marginalized service. So we all, we want to employ the best of the best, whether it is at our center or excuse me, at our clinic or at our center, right? We, we pay former teachers aides at our virtual learning center. We pay, um, you know, substitute teachers, people who have a wealth of experience. We, we went into this wanting to pay more than what the hourly rate of substitute teaching is at CMS because we wanted to get the best of the best. So we also don't want to marginalize access for people who have already been marginalized. And you meant, and thank you for sharing that information, Gerard. Um, you mentioned Project 658, and it's actually a great organization. And Drew, yes. I, I do feel like we, we need to get Project 658 on the podcast as well. Um, a friend of mine, Peter Fink, has actually been with Project 658 yeah. for a long period of time. So Peter's uh, an amazing person. He's He has a big heart. He's an excellent soccer player. I, that's how I know Peter, through soccer. I think I might, I might know Peter for 15 or 16 years already, but, um, but that's a great organization. And, and, um, I'm so glad that you guys are connected with them and, um, are providing that type of support for that Eastway central corridor. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. I used to provide school-based therapy back in the day, and that was my stomping grounds. I, I did school-based therapy for Eastway middle school. Wow. And, um, even, you know, even back then in 2002, when I started, um, the area was such a high needs area mm -hmm. that it makes me sad that in 20, 21, it's still a high needs area. So you're right. We have made, um, as a community, we've made progress towards filling in those gaps. But sometimes when I think of filling in a gap, I think of um, like getting a caulk or, you know, kind of caulking something. And sometimes mm -hmm. that caulk deteriorates over time. For me, it's about building bridges. So when you build a bridge, you want it to be the strongest because you know whoever has access to that bridge, you want them to feel safe. You want them to feel secure and you want them to gain access to the other side. Yeah, that was right? it. That's the biggest thing. You want them to get to the other side. Right. So, so I'm so glad y'all connected with uh, project 658. And I, and I see that your counseling services, I mean, you're right. It's led by the, you know, the amazing Dr. Diana Mo uh, Moserberg. Yep. She might not, she might not remember. I met her a long time ago and I think we might have share some similar circles in our clinical world, but um uh, you know, you have eight mm -hmm. individuals on your counseling team who are providing mental wellness support for the community. That's amazing. Yeah. You even have a uh, clinical interpreter. So yep. somebody who can uh, provide um, that space for individuals who maybe linguistically yeah. um, don't you know, won't be able to have that type of support unless they, you know, they find services that, through your that was a That was a huge one too, is that, um, and thank you for pointing that out, a, a good majority of, of people that we're serving, English is their second language, right? So um, you can't go into it forcing one language onto someone. We try to meet the needs wherever we can. So yeah, we've been able to add that interpreter. And when we first started out, we were utilizing Google Translator, like just trying to do what we can. And we still have to use translation services. That's a big part of the budget. And and it's also a, a big part of, of what we do because we're, you see people from Africa, Asia, Central America, South America, 
Mexico. Um, and we, you see people from, from all over, um, one, because of the side of town that it's on, and then two, just because, um, and, I, and I, I can't remember which one of you guys said it, but we had to work hard to gain trust. I mean, when you go, when you're in people's communities and we're in these communities, one of the biggest things you have to do is gain equity with people. And on the flip side, once you do achieve that, they will go and tell their friends. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, we've, and we've heard that we've, we've heard those stories of, wow, that, that was, you, that was you guys like that, that the Steve Smith foundation does that. Like we don't go and toot our horn and, and do all of that. It's because we, we, we have people's lives in the balance and, and we've been, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that we just don't talk about, whether it's, I mean, we have a podcast and we're able to laugh and we're able to um, reach, you know, thousands and thousands of people, but there's also a lot that, you know, Steve does that I do that we just do just because we know that we're called to do it. We do it because we know it's the right thing to do. And so we, we, we don't take that for granted because we know that these are real lives attached to it. I can remember the first time that we had a meeting there in the center when it first opened up. And when I walked in, there was someone sitting in the waiting room. And that's when it really hit me that it took us maybe a year and a half to get the Smith Family Wellness Center project off the ground. But then there was someone sitting in the waiting room and that hit me. Like when I got to my car, I can be, I don't mind being vulnerable. When I got to my car after that meeting was over, I cried. And, and the reason I did is because I have no idea who that person was, what their name is, what they came in there that day for. But I do remember that that person had some sort of a need and they went to the Smith Family Wellness Center to get that need met. And I believe we were able to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But just the weight of that, that someone said, I trust you with my life. I trust you with my condition, whatever that is, whether it was mental, whether it was physical, whether it was medical, whatever that need for that person was at that time, they trusted us to do it. And so that's, that's kind of the thing that fuels me. I know I speak for Steve when that fuels him is that we have real lives hanging in the balance. We're meeting real needs. And, and I believe we're going to create real change. That's a that's a slogan of ours. That's actually our new mission statement. We haven't even put it on our website yet, but our, our new mission cha- our new mission statement is to create real change with real people. And so that's what we're doing. And that's our day to day. And so it's, it's, it's really important work. And, and it's also work that I'm proud of. Well, I feel like breaking, I feel like breaking news here. We were like the first, we're the first <laughs> yeah, podcast to have yet. like your new uh, mission. That's awesome, Drew. We're, yeah. uh, we're, we're stepping up a little bit, Drew. Um, <laughs> we're stepping up a little bit in the podcast world. So, you know, again, thank you so much, uh, Gerard, for just sharing all that information. I do want to shift gears a little bit and I want to talk about cut to it. I want to talk about your podcast and um, there's so many, I have some notes here and I uh, just want to make sure that I get to what I need to get to. But, um, you know, when I first heard the, again, I mentioned earlier, I was just blown away by the topics and then just by the sincerity that you and Steve have together. Um, you, you joke, you cut up mm-hmm. with each other. I mean, it's, you, I could hear it through your conversations that not only are you, are you dear friends of each other, but you really respect each other to the point where you're going to call each other out for things. Like you're just not, you're not going to, you know, be 
yes men to each other, right? You, if you feel something, if you hear something, you're going to be like, wait a minute, I'm going to call you out, man. And you could yeah. genuinely hear that in the podcast. And you, y'all talked about a lot of things. Y'all have been talking about a lot of things. And I want to know why it was important for you to create this platform with Steve Smith. Um, I mean, I don't even know where to start. There's, there's so much that you said that I, that I, that I want to jump in. But the, the origin of this podcast is really, uh, number one, I don't just work for Steve. Yes, I'm the executive director of the foundation and, and we've known each other for going on six years now, I think. Um, but Steve is the big brother that um, I wish I had. I have an older brother. I don't have the relationship with my real older brother that I have with, with Steve. So when we say that we're brothers, I mean, we're, we're legit brothers. Um, there's, you know, it just so happens that we don't have the same parents, but we, we operate like, like we're brothers. That's really my big brother. And I, and I love that guy to death. And so through his work with NFL network, you know, he's been able to uh, do interviews with all these different athletes and I've been able to travel with him at certain times and, and been able to see him do it. And, and every single time I would see these athletes open up to Steve and, and share things that maybe they hadn't shared before. And I probably started talking to him about a podcast maybe two years ago, and he largely just waved it off and <laughs> did it again, like maybe a, maybe about a year ago and the same exact thing. And no, probably about a year and a half ago and did the exact same thing. And then roughly about a year ago, right before the pandemic hit, we were leaving uh, a trip from Colorado. We had uh, one of the sponsors of, of our foundation had an event. We were out in Colorado and we were coming back and we just started talking about, you know, his career and, and, and how he's been interviewing all these guys. And he shared a story with me. And I'm like, listen, man, like, I know I've been bugging you about this for the last couple of years, but you've got to start a podcast, right? Like being able to continue to have this long form conversation, these long form interviews with guys, but then we have the content. We're able to put that content out and it's in its entirety and not just a six minute clip here or a seven minute clip here, but really be able to have the, the long standing uh, conversation and finally, I, it, it finally hit them and we decided to launch this. Even in the midst of a pandemic, we were able to launch this. And the, the caveat was was two things. One, he, he wanted to do this with, with me, which I, I, I don't take lightly. Um, that was never my plan. I just kind of wanted to do what I always do is hang in the shadows and, and, and kind of quarterback things. My, my experience has always been in public relations. And if you work in public relations, you know, you're always the, the, the person who's behind the scenes, making sure that things kind of go the way that they do and, 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 and things like that. So that was it. And then the other thing was we wanted to, we wanted to have conversations that, that aren't normal with athletes, entertainers, heck, even regular people, and, and just be able to have authentic conversations to ask questions that people don't always ask to know people uh, beyond their Jersey, beyond their NASCAR track suit, beyond, you know, whatever sport or thing that they do. We want to know the person we want to know, not about the catch, you know, because he's an athlete. I have had, <laughs> I've participated in athletics. I don't call myself an athlete by any means of the imagination, <laughs> but, um, we all know what that's like, but tell us about the internal dialogue that you were having. Tell us about the things that keep you up at night. Tell us about your dreams and aspirations. And so 
for us, that's how we try to approach it. And I think that's why we've had, I consider some success and why I believe, um, why I believe it's authentic and why it's real is, and, and, and to your point, it's, it's, it, it really parlays off of the relationship that we have that, yeah, we're, we're able to call each other out. We're able to have a, a brother type of relationship to where if you have a sibling, you know, that right. There are times that you have loving conversation and there's times that you have uh, points of contention. And so that's just how we, try to operate we push each other we make each other better um we're we're definitely the the a yin and yang we're the definition of yin and yang like we yep. we are we're different but we also um we're, we're able to complement each other's strengths and and then support each other's weaknesses so uh, no that's for sure steve's my brother there's there's no doubt about it and, and i think we're able to bring that um to cut to it and, and i think that's why we have a lot of success you know, I'm trying to figure out um, while I'm hearing you talk, I'm trying to think like what my favorite episode has been because they've <laughs> all been so riveting. And and for listeners who follow me on LinkedIn um, and, and other social media platforms, you know, I've, I've been constantly been, yeah, yeah, I've been like saying like, hey, y'all check this out. They're talking about this, this and this, and it's really important. Yeah, it for, does not go unseen. <laughs> so I, I love it. But, you know, you had the Tory Smith episode that mm. was uh, you guys, uh, it was on uh, November 10th. Um, talking about the impact of trauma on young children uh, that can manifest into adulthood. Um, then there was the uh, Malcolm Jenkins. Um, that was, I think, the first episode that really just like it struck me and just to listen to that. And then the other episode that was was also just a very powerful episode was uh, Steve's episode. Uh, I, th yeah. I think it was Steve's story is yep. is and that's when he he was just uh, very vulnerable with his listeners and uh, with y'all's listeners and just talked about his experiences. And, um, you know, so, you know, a lot of your episodes address all sorts of issues, right? Um, we're talking about trauma, racial trauma, domestic violence, lack of access to care, mental wellness, um, receiving support from family and friends or not receiving that type of support, et cetera. Why has it been important for y'all to have these types of conversations with your guests who were, who are, you know, primarily athletes, right? Mm -hmm. um, what do you hope for listeners to gain from hearing these athletes talk about those experiences? The first thing that comes to mind is people people tend to put athletes in a box, unfortunately, right? They, they try to limit athletes to what their performance is on the field as if they aren't human beings off of the field. Athletes go through the same thing that all of us regular people do, right? Like they have family issues, they have family trauma, they have conflict, they have internal dialogue, they have anxiety, they have times where they feel that they're not enough, they have times where they just have all kinds of different feelings. So who are we to just limit people to whether they caught it or they didn't, whether they made the shot or they didn't, whether they won a championship or they didn't, like, we could care when I say we, we as the host of Cut To It, we could care less about what their achievements were on or on the field. We want to know how, what was your coming of age story? How did you get, the, how did you get here in the first place? And so all those topics that you just hit on, Roger, are just real life examples because they're real life people. And so that's how we try to approach it is that we just try to give athletes a platform to, to talk freely, to, to not be to not be judged. We don't ask the gotcha questions, could care less. There's a million other podcasts and television shows and, and other mediums to where 
other hosts do it. Let them do that. We don't do that. We, we, again, goes back to, honestly, it goes back to a lot of our foundation work. We want to keep the equity and keep the relationships with the people that we have because their stories are genuine. Their stories are theirs. They bless us with being able to come on and be vulnerable. So we honor that. And, and we always try to make sure we keep that level of integrity with any of our guests. So, it, I mean, if you, if you wanted drama and if you wanted, you know, rumors and all that stuff, we're probably not the podcast that you want to listen to. But if you want authentic conversation and if you want to pull the veil back and learn about who, you know, these men and women are that, are, that, that share their stories with us, then I think you'd really enjoy the conversations that we have because that's who we are. All right. Um, that's how we approach. Again, that's how we approach the foundation. That's how we approach really anything that any endeavor that we have is we, we have to have a level of authenticity with it. Um, it just because that's important. I, I think that too many times we aren't having those real conversations, whether that is from in the sports industry to philanthropic to business to, 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 to anything politically like we're we're just not having authentic conversations. So being able to have that now, I think is just important. So we're able to do it with our platform. And I just encourage other people to be able to do it on theirs. And I think it's important on, and I agree with everything you said. I think one of the things that really drew me in was the fact that um, how just open and welcoming y'all are with, with your guests about mental wellness. Now, not every episode is about mental wellness, but, but you address it and, and it's, it's no holes barred and there's no judgment. Right. And, you know, it, it just gets, it got me to thinking about how, you know, as I'm a sports fan, you know, Drew's a sports fan. And I think that as sports fan, we sports fans, we do look at the athlete and just we're amazed, right? We're almost has yeah. this perception of like nothing could go wrong or, yeah. you know, that they, they, they lead this amazing life. But the reality is, is that they're people, we're people, yeah. we're human beings. And, you know, I read this article that um, Kevin Love wrote for the Players Tribune back in March of 2018. And I started using this article. Uh, I teach, I I used to teach in the MSW program. Now I teach in the BSW program, but I'm still probably going to use it in that program. <laughs> but I taught, uh, I read this article that he wrote, everyone is going through something. And it was such a deep article. And he was talking about, he was being vulnerable. He was talking about um, his, he had a panic attack during a game and how it shifted his perspective and his way of thinking that he had growing up, like, I don't need help or going and talking to somebody isn't something that, you know, I'm supposed to do. And it was a really deep article. And he wrote another one, another follow-up article, um, not too long after that. It was a couple of years later. And that was titled, To Anybody Going Through It. Um, and uh, again, it's, it's, to me, it's him sending out the message or, you know, and, and with the Oz podcast, you guys sending out the message to listeners or to whoever's reading it that, Hey, we all go through something yeah. and, and it's okay to seek help. And, um, and again, I appreciate that. That's that you're utilizing this yeah. platform to have those open conversations for yeah, people I, I, not I, I, to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. I remember when, when Kevin Love put that out and I, and I believe, I know August of that same year, 2018, uh, Steve did the, the same thing. He, he, he put out a letter on NFL.com basically um, detailing uh, how he had his own mental health challenges um, 
pre-career and, and during his career and, and going through post-career, how do you, I guess, how do you um, deconstruct, right? And, and how do you deal with some of those things? And then being honest, I've, I've had my own battles with, with, with mental health. I've, I've, uh, I mentioned being at UNC Charlotte, but I, I remember when I, my freshman year at UNC Charlotte, I, I battled depression, right? It was a, it was a big transition for me going from, I grew up in a small town of Lexington um, to going to, um, I was born in Charlotte, grew up in Lexington, but then going back to Charlotte and, and just, you know, I had a graduating class of a hundred people, right? That was my graduating class. Total in school was like 700. So I grew up in a small town and then all of a sudden being thrust to a school that has at that time, 27,000. I have no idea how many people are there now. I know it's a whole lot more. I think we're um, about 30,000 plus somewhere around. I think we had 30,000. So so going to a huge school, I mean, I I just really, I really, really struggled my my first year. And so um, I had to overcome depression. And so both of us now being on the other side, and going going to therapy, I continue to go to therapy. Um, yeah, I just think it's it's it, it's now a, a it's now a healthy part of my life. It's I, I, I try to use this comparison. It's like it's like doing maintenance on a car. If I just waited until everything on my car was broken and then I tried to fix everything, man, I'd be in a mess. But you want mm-hmm. to continually have ongoing maintenance, right? I want to make sure that the oil. I want I got to keep my oil changed. I got to keep my tires rotated and balanced. I have to do all that ongoing maintenance. And for me, um, therapy is is ongoing. And and I know I speak for Steve, right? Because we're we're both and we're both open and and honest with it. He tells me, you know, after he has a, a counseling session and we debrief, and I do the same thing with him when I have a counseling session. So I think one, it's important to as you said, like getting to a level of vulnerability, it takes time to get there. I'll be honest. It, it definitely takes a lot of time to get to this place where you can really say, here's, here's who I am. I'm screwed up. I've, I've had these issues. I've had, I've had problems. And I think for me, it's a, it's a level of strength. Like I have not, I'm, I'm 36 now. And just speaking personally, I have not had this level of authenticity ever in my life, but it's taken me a long time to get here to where I can just talk with anyone about what's going on in my life. You know, of course there's balance and I don't just word vomit to any and everybody, but I, when I choose to have um, that level of vulnerability with a person, you know, I, I, I just have a different level of comfort that I, that I have now than what I have in the past. So it takes a while to get there. And then I think you also have to make sure that you have people in your life that you can be accountable to and be accountable with. And so I think those are just the different levels and varying degrees of, of mental health. And I'm just happy that I do have a circle with Steve. And then also we got a business partner um, with our podcast, uh, Joe, but we call him backstage Joe, but you know, I can go to those guys at any given time and say, Hey, here's what I'm going through. And I know that they're going to lift, you know, they're going to lift up my arms. And so I think everyone and, and vice versa for, for all of us. So I think people just have to be intentional about, getting those people in their lives and creating that space so that they can have it. But I think it's a, it's a huge part to that. But I, I do feel like overall in society, again, whether it comes to professional sports, whether it comes to, you know, just where we are now in 2021, I feel like we're making strides to where we're normalizing mental health. We're normalizing, um, the, the maintenance goes, that goes with it. We're, we're normalizing therapy, way more than what it has been before because if i'm being real as a as a black man um you know growing up in a community of color it is not people are not open with 
their mental health struggles or mental health conditions, it is stigmatized, right? And, and it is something that um, is, we, we're making strides. There's some stuff that's still there, but we're definitely making strides. But when I was coming up as a kid, I mean, we, I didn't see these type of messages. I didn't see where people were open and honest about mental health. I mean, it, it was, again, it was way into college before I realized, okay, this is a thing. Right. So I, I think we're making strides overall as a, as a society though. So I was looking through some of your podcasts, Gerard, and I saw the most recent one here um, or two uh, episodes ago on Muggsy Bugs. And I have to share that as a basketball player in elementary and middle school, um, I was always the shortest kid on the team <laughs> and really identified with Muggsy Bugs. So I was touche. I'm only five, <laughs> I'm, I'm only five eight. I'm even I'm shorter than uh, there you Steve, go. You so and I I'm, both, I'm, right? <laughs> I claim five five, although some of my friends oh, out man. there some of my friends challenged my I'm five five. They're like, oh, Are wow. you sure? I'm like, nah, I'm a five five. I think, five, I, five think I think you you've got another inch or two. Anyways. Wow. Right, so, five, six. You made me feel like a giant. <laughs> So I'm just curious, you know, could you talk a little bit about, you know, in your work at the, on the podcast, but also at the center and with the students, um, just the the role of sports and role models and how they kind of help uh, youth in particular kind of go through some of the challenges they might be experiencing or overcoming whatever it is for them. And just thought you could maybe talk about that a little bit. I I can only be honest. um, Again, it's (laughs) now at 36, it's, it's, it's hard for me to, just give the the PC answer. Of course, of course, you know, participating in sports, being an athlete in in middle school and in high school and and, and all of that, like you have people that you look up to probably from a performance standpoint, but also I, I challenge people now that I'm a parent, I'm a husband. And so I really challenge people as to allowing your child to just look at an athlete as a complete role model. And I say that because going back to what we said before, athletes are humans too. Right before this podcast, I was watching Tiger Woods um, HBO special, which was phenomenal. If if you haven't seen that, I'm not shameless plug. I mean, it's just something that I watch. So I'm not affiliated with it. But HBO, it was on if HBO. you're listening, yeah. it was, it, uh, it, if you're it, listening, it was, we're plugging you. <laughs> it, it was on there and it was phenomenal. And it, it was a two-part series and they went through um, Tiger's life. And of course they hit on all of his indiscretions, right? Tiger, in my opinion, is one of the most transcendent athletes of all time. I, I, I fairly believe he's up there with, with Michael Jordan and, and a lot of other athletes when we talk about holistic impact on and off the field, court, course, whatever it is that you, that you play on or in or whatever. However, again, when, when you put someone on a pedestal to where we look at them as high and mighty, we look at them as untouchable, as we talked about, you know, as you guys talked about as being sports fans. And, I, and of course, I'm a sports fan, too. But I, I see it now, now being a fan, then having having been blessed to my first job out of college was working for the Charlotte Hornets, working in public relations. So I was behind the scenes. And I've, I've seen a lot. I've, I've been now behind the scenes in pro sports. And for me, it's 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 a slippery slope when you have a kid idolize a guy. I'm not saying at all 
don't have a kid look up to or, hey, uh, there's parts of Muggsy's game that I like or there's part of Allen Iverson's game that I like or there's part of whoever that athlete is. But to say I want to be like him because they're, we're all because we, all of us are flawed. I'm flawed as Gerard, right? We all have our own flaws. So then what ends up happening, going back to the Tiger documentary, is how quickly he rose and ascended into fame. And then how quickly also when he had indiscretions, how people ridiculed and tormented and, and did all and did all these things. I know he had accountability and, and he's responsible for his actions. However, that's just where I believe it, it becomes a slippery slope when we look at athletes as complete role models. Again, don't I have no, of course, I, I looked up to Michael Jordan and I looked up to a lot of these guys, but now looking back in hindsight, I want my, I want to be the, honestly, I want to be the role model for my kids, right? I want, I want them to see dad who loves on, I love on my wife, that we have a healthy and strong marriage, that I'm being the best dad that I can possibly be, that I'm providing for them, that I'm loving on them, that I'm able to create a space for them to where they can be vulnerable, they can be their authentic selves. So for me, I always, personally, I think it starts at home. I think a parent should be the first role model because I think we have that calling. I, I think we have that obligation to our to our kids, whether you're a parent or or or, or not, you know. But but I'm just specifically speaking as a parent and as a husband. That's that is Gerard's opinion. That I I I think it become a slippery slope. But for sure, also know like how it is being a kid and and you and you and you're a fan and. Man, I remember, you know, the 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 '90s Bulls, like watching the Last Dance, gave gave me so much, uh, gave me so much nostalgia. Uh, what a great documentary! I, yeah, <laughs> so awesome. so the, the 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 Last Dance, like you know, that took me back. So of course, it it has those impacts, and and just like with anything else, like sports, music. I'm a big hip hop guy, so you know, there's certain things that you hear that it takes you back. Like you can remember the time and the place that you heard something and it was like a soundtrack to your life. But, but overall, I, I do think sometimes it can be a slippery slope when we say, Oh, he's my role model eh, because he's, he can, he or she can be flawed. Right. And, and, and every, every man, woman, athlete, actress, um, anyone can, can, can have their own issues. And so that's, that's just my take on it though. All right. So Gerard, you just, you just, you just talked about something that I'm getting ready to ask. Uh, you talked about the 90s, right? You mentioned the 90s Bulls. I definitely remember the 90s Bulls. I can tell you where I was. The 90s is like my era. Like I, mm -hmm. if I could go back and relive, I would probably relive, relive the 90s. Um, I, I, I can tell you where I was when Christian Leitner hit that shot against Kentucky. Oh. I, I mean, I'm a Duke fan. I'm a Duke fan, Gerard. Oh, so. I'm sorry. You just, oh, no. you just, you just, you just ruined it. I'm, I'm a Carolina guy. <laughs> oh no, Gerard. <laughs> I'm so you big want, tough Carolina fan. Here's something funny, Gerard. I went to Carolina oh, for man. graduate school. So, um, uh, but you know, graduate school and undergrad, you know, that's it's different. It's different. I'm, an, okay. I went to App State for undergrad, so I'm, okay. I'm, an, I'm a Mountaineer. But, uh, but I'm a huge Duke fan. I can tell you where I was when Christian mm -hmm. Laner hit that shot in 1992. Um, so here's, here's a 90s type of question for you, okay? So what are two or three songs that you can identify that best describes your childhood, teen years, college years? Ooh, well, I wasn't in, okay, so I'm, I'm, not, I'm not that old to where I was in college in the 90s, but I did grow up in the 90s. I'm definitely, uh, I was born in 84, so I, I definitely, you know, my, 
my my younger years, my 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 childhood years are definitely the nineties. Ah, uh, three. Three so three ninety songs. Okay, two or three, and and, and I, it could just be like you you hear the songs from the nineties, and you can think yeah. like that kind of defined my childhood. That yeah, that defined yeah, me yeah. in high school and even in college. So there's there's a couple that came out um, that I, I'm just going top of my head. I didn't prepare for this or anything. Um, one song would be uh, remember that song I wish by Skilo. I wish I was a little. I bit wish taller. I was a little <laughs> bit taller. That's my theme every day. <laughs> See, so because I was a, I was I was I was that kid, right? Like I was always pretty short. I did have my chubby stage, so uh, there was a little bit where like I I played I played linebacker and tight end because I was a little bit chubbier. I had somewhat of a growth spurt before a lot of my other friends and everyone else just kind of lapped me or whatever. So that'd be one. Uh, I remember. Um, uh bone thugs and harmony first bone of the month harmony oh yeah uh, that's that's a big one just because that's the that's that's how i grew up yeah. right? um you know I, I grew up single parent home it was me my mom my grandmother my aunt and my cousin we we all of us lived um in the projects until i was nine or ten i didn't have my own bed till i was 13 um so just for us i just remember first of the month like that's that was that's when at least things were good, you know. You know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, paychecks pay come and all of that, and then uh, other ninety song, ninety song, um, just because it just came to my head. Uh, I get around Tupac. I mean, just I that's just around. a it's just a fun it's just a fun song for me. It, it feels like the nineties, but um, all of that stuff. I mean, I just as I as I just think like I talked about with with the with the bulls and, and the last dance, like you just remember those things that were, that were timelines. Like, yeah, I remember, I remember when uh, Dr. Dre and Snoop Dogg came out in the early nineties and I, and I hear it at a birthday party. I'm like, what is, what is that? And my mom's saying, you, you can't have that tape, but I got it anyway. I don't know how I got it. Um, <laughs> so just stuff like that. Like you just remember it, California love, like, uh, like I remember Juicy by by, by Notorious B.I.G. Like all all of that, all that stuff. Like that's just the soundtrack that you know when we were outside playing and you know once I went riding bikes and all that stuff. I I, I just remember that and and it just holds near and dear to my heart because that's that's how I grew up and I wouldn't change it for anything. I mean, it wasn't the best of the best. I didn't grow up with a silver spoon in my mouth. I didn't I didn't have any of that stuff, but. Uh, and I think we we talked about it on one of the podcasts, and I and I don't think it, we haven't put this one out yet, but we um we we talked with uh, Inky Johnson. I don't know if you guys are familiar with Inky, but Inky is a big time motivational speaker, and he talked about how he grew up in uh, Kirkwood, Georgia, right at, right outside of the uh, Atlanta, and so how he grew up with multiple cousins, all of them in the house, and all of them being stuffed in a bed, and and he ta- he said something that stuck with me. And he just talked about how they had a void in, in a lot of stuff, financials and food, but they never had a void in love. And when he said that, like it even hit me as we were recording because same thing with my family, like we didn't have a lot. And if I juxtapose it with the people that were serving or the, the people who were challenged in housing, I didn't have it that bad. Like, right, like I, we never really missed meals. We just didn't have it that great. But I was never voided in love. And so I just had a mom who believed in me. I had family members who would always push me, who would always protect me. There were places that I couldn't go all the time and I'd get mad about it. There were people that I couldn't play with, but I'm appreciative because they saw something in me and they wanted to love on me. And so 
Um, I mean, I know I took that on a tangent, but all of that, it just makes me think that's, that's what music means to me is that it, 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 it puts a time stamp on things and it makes me remember different things. So when you, when you talk about 90 songs, like I can reel them off because I remember that and, and, and music was an escape for me. It was, it was just, you know, I, I listened to a lot of West coast stuff, not knowing one of my closest <laughs> friends would be from the West coast or was, or was on the West coast at the same time, but growing up in small town, North Carolina, you didn't see a lot of different things. I didn't see a lot of examples of different people. So a lot of times television, music was the only time you got a chance to experience different cultures, experience different parts of the country, different parts of the world. And so for me, it's, it's really, really important. So that's a, it's a cool question, but it also just makes me, it, it makes me look inward a lot. You know, music can be that conduit for us uh, to escape at times, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes to escape our reality. And so I appreciate you know, the realness in your answer. Um, you know, if I, if I could pick two to three uh, songs I can remember that sort of define my, my, my time in the nineties, it definitely would be a uh, Nirvana smell like team spirit. I just oh, remember, I remember that song. I when remember. that song came out and it just had so much raw emotions. It definitely, it's yeah. come, it was coming off the, the, the end of the eighties where you had the mm -hmm. hair band and, yeah. you know, the hair bands and like Nirvana was just like, you know what, forget this. We're going <laughs> to go raw. I love hip hop, but I, I, my, my wife would tell you, I'm also eclectic. Like I can tell you about Red Hot Chili Peppers, Under the Bridge, California Cation. Like, I, oh, I, I know music. Man. I know music. Now you, yeah. you a 90s baby then. Like, yeah. <laughs> uh, next up would have to be uh, Dre and Snoop's Nothing But a G Thing Baby. I mean, mm -hmm. that song mm -hmm. right there. Pr That's pretty much got 90s all over. It introduced the world, you know, it introduced the world to Snoop Dogg, but it was yep. just a pivotal album. You know, the, the, that yep. album was just so many different layers of life um that although it did have some really awesome beats the the message behind it is mm -hmm. what really captivated the realness me. the rawness exactly yep. and then i got to plug in my you know yeah this group i grew up with and i still listen to them uh, <laughs> a tribe called quest when i heard scenario it yeah, blew we'll my mind we'll, we'll arms. Yeah. New York, North Kakalaka and Compton. <laughs> boom. Like I was blown away. And um, so Drew, you know, I'm going to ask you about your nineties trifector. Um, what, what, what three songs define we'll we'll you, what, Drew? We'll oh, see man. What Drew's got it's just up. like, it's a different, it's, you know, there's so much there. Um, well, in this conversation, I remember in middle school, um, that was like my first introduction to hip hop because I had actually okay. switched schools at that time. And there was the album that had um, uh, Hypnotized by Notorious B.I.G. That album, I feel like oh, I was yeah. on repeat in my mind for a long time. Um, so that kind of brought me back to that one too. Uh, of 90 songs, you know, I also loved... Um, you know, I got really into kind of the, the uh, both classic rock, but then like kind of more um, kind of more 90s kind of like that, that like sub like sublime. I was associated with them because they had that like snare that just like would just like pop. And it's like the like the iconic 90s sound that just kind of comes out, you know. So I think of like those two kind of as like, you know those types of songs and whatnot but there were so many one hit wonders too i have on my spotify oh, yeah. right now just like all these bands that are just like not it's not like they're like had like tons of songs they might have had just like one song but it was just super catchy 
And so I like listened to that one, you know, a bunch of times all over again. But I was also like, I got, I really enjoyed Incubus. That was the band at the time, which I don't really listen to him as much now, but um, that was kind of fun yeah, too. Well, so, probably, yeah, well, what were some other bands? But like Limp Biscuit, I remember oh, them. Limp Biscuit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember The uh, Nookie. <laughs> <laughs> that Green Day. Green Foo Fighters. Day. Yeah, all that. I remember all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Now, the Foo Fighters are actually still going strong. They are. You know, 25 plus years later. And, uh, um, you know, it's interesting how kind of things evolve. I mean, you know, we, we, this might be another podcast episode. We talk about sort of this, this celebration, but tragedy of, of, of musicians and artists, you know, um, Soundgarden, Chris Cornell, uh, who unfortunately, uh, um, he, he, uh, it was suicide a couple of, a couple of years ago, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, we have Nirvana, you have Pearl Jam, you have all these, yeah. uh, you know, all these great groups, but there's also, you know, this sense of, again, just like with athletes and musicians, yep. we sort of put them up on this pedestal yep. that, you right. know, they have all this greatness, but they're also, there's, so there's flaw, like we all have flaws. And um, when those flaws are presented to us by these athletes or, or artists and musicians, um, it's easy for us to like pick at those flaws. Like you had mentioned um, when in the Tiger Woods documentary, like he rose to fame, he got the fame, he stayed there and then things happen. Like you said, he's a flawed individual. And then yeah. people just started ripping left and right. Boom, boom, boom. And how do you handle the fame? And I don't, I don't think everyone's, everyone's not always positioned for that. Right. You're absolutely right. And, and one of my other interests is um, trying to work with collegiate athletes in, in sort of this mental wellness space. Like how do you handle the weight of, of being recruited to a big program or any program, but you know, with these big, the the big programs who are recruiting athletes, what kind of wellness, mental wellness support are they providing for athletes as they navigate through a new system uh, as they navigate a new city, as they navigate new feelings and emotions of, of, of being not only out of college, but then missing their family. So that that's probably for another podcast. And Gerard, we'd love to have you back to talk about that because I know you probably have a lot to say in regards to the college athlete and health and mental wellness. Um, any anytime, I'm 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 wide open. I, I love this platform. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I really thank you guys for having me for for having me on and just being able to to chop it up and and, and just talk about it. Yeah, there's 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 so many the the, the mental health conversation. I think is one that one, I don't think you can have enough of it. It's, it's, it's not, it, I don't think it's a conversation where all of a sudden you're going to reach capacity. Like there's always something else to, to be talking about. There's always a, a, another way to have that conversation. And a lot of times, you know, bring it back to whether it's the podcast or whether it's the foundation, but it's, it's just continuing to bring different people in and gaining different perspectives and seeing it from and seeing it from other vantage points, I, I think that's I think that's key. And and like I said, I, I I just I honestly believe that there's room to just continue this conversation, to further this conversation, and just by bringing other people into the fold. So Gerard, just as uh, we get to the end of our episode here, can you share a little bit about what's next for the Smith Family Foundation and cut to it, and just kind of um, how you see 2021 shaping up for you? So uh, Steve Smith Foundation, I, I, this year is really all about um, how do we, someone else put this up, the, someone else said this, and, and I've been running with it, but 2021 is us turning a cruise ship, right? We know where we need to go. 
it's not that you can just whip it around like it's a sports car. It's really we're, we're turning a cruise ship. So how do we how do we position ourselves to um, be a more sustainable organization when it comes to the programs that we're offering, when it comes to the people that we're serving? And so for us, we're, we're really turning the corner in how we operate, whether that is uh, taking our virtual learning center to an after school program, whether that is looking at from the Smith Family Wellness Center, how do we either um, add programming or how do we add services and, and what does long-term look like for that, right? Like there are all these other extenuating circumstances that are going on here in Charlotte when it comes to whether it's affordable housing, whether it is jobs, whether it is access to care, whether it is meant like there are all these other conversations to be had. And so how are we one part of those conversations and two, after we have the conversation, what are we doing to, to add on to it? So for, for us, 2021 is really about how do we make this as sustainable as possible to where we can help as many people as we can, but also help in the right way. So, so that's what I'd say for the foundation for Cut To It. We're, we're just on a, we, we are trying to um, just be consistent, just to continue to have still a different array of stories. We don't always try to go for the low hanging fruit. We, we, just, we just don't believe in that. We're always just trying to make sure we put out good consistent stories, um, good long form content, um, just, just being consistent for us. So um, there's, 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 a, there's quite a few more guests that we, that we have. There's quite a few more episodes that we have that are still in the can that we're gonna be putting out. And so for us, it's just longevity is, is really what we're trying to be about. We're, we're not about being flash in the pan. There's a lot of podcasts that have popped up during the pandemic. There's over, there's over 1 million podcasts on Apple Podcasts right now. What? So how do you literally, that's not, a, that's not hyperbole. Like that's, that's exactly how many there are. So how do you continue to stand out from the rest? And, and so that, and, but that's what we do. We, we try to, we're trying to stand out from the rest of these podcasts. So, and I think we're doing a good job doing it. So we're just going to continue to do what we're doing. Um, just continue to, to, to be comfortable within ourselves to continue to have the vulnerability that, that we have on the podcast. And so that's just what 2021 looks like for us. It's just a, a lot more to uncover, a lot more stories to tell. I think y'all are doing a great job. And I, and I appreciate the formula that you have created Thank in you. getting, at least for me, getting my attention and really just, I can't wait till the next one comes out. And that's you cool. know, for a while, I, I just didn't, I kind of build them up because I, I was going on long walks. And so I was like, oh, I, I, I got an hour and a half. So it's, I'm going to listen to that. It's perfect for, it's, it's perfect for the, for the, for the long form working out, walking the dog, the, the, the morning commute. I mean, we've, we've seen a lot of that. We've gotten a lot of that feedback, but no, that's awesome. And, and, and for sure, like continue for those out there listening, definitely subscribe uh, on iHeartRadio, Apple podcast, wherever you get your podcast, go on, give us the five-star rating. Um, you know, we, we, we definitely appreciate all of the, the people who are listening, people like Roger and, and I know Drew, it sounds like you've listened as well, but, um, I, again, that's one of those things I don't take it for granted for someone to take the time to, to listen to what we have to say is, is, is pretty remarkable. And I had no idea who you were before Roger, but you reached out and you said that it impacted you. And, and we've had those kind of stories before. And, and yeah, I, I don't take that for granted. Cause for me, I'm still, 
in my mind, I'm just a, I'm just a kid from Lexington, North Carolina. So for me, when anyone says like you impacted me or, um, you know, you had this impact or, or whatever the case may be, like I'm, I'm always dumbfounded for it because even for me, I still, I still have that internal dialogue of, am I really good enough? Like, am I really having an impact? So every day, that's something for me every single day. Gerard, we are so, I mean, we were just so, so thrilled to have you on, on the podcast today. We appreciate your time. You said something earlier that just, I'm going to say it right now as we end, someone made time for me. And I appreciate that you are that someone for us today, that you made time for us, that you made time for our listeners to share uh, stories, to share your experiences, just to share um, who you are, who you are as a real and raw person. And I really appreciate that so much from the bottom of our hearts. We really want to thank you. Thanks for sharing everything about you and your work. And if you can just let our listeners know where they can find out more information about the Steve Smith Family Foundation. And I know you just plugged in the cut to it, but do it again if you want, where they can get <laughs> access to that. So if yeah. you can do that. Um, if, if you have any you know, inclination to learn more about the Steve Smith Family Foundation, definitely go check out our website, stevesmithfamilyfdn.org. That's stevesmithfamilyfdn.org. On social media, we're at stevesmithfdn on all platforms, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, you, to your point, I, I mentioned the podcast a little bit, but you can go to cuttoitpodcast.com where we have uh, merchandise available. You can go where you can subscribe. Again, wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also check out past episodes. We are on every streaming platform. Uh, would definitely love for you to go listen to it on Heart Radio, but uh, also we're we're on Apple Podcasts, wherever else uh, you may listen to those podcasts. Definitely go, definitely subscribe, definitely do the five star rating on Apple. Definitely, um, just uh, just make sure you you hit that that follow button on on all the on all the streaming platforms. But for sure, I, I think beyond anything, we're just we're just thankful that um, we have this opportunity. We're, we're thankful that we're able to make an impact on all these different channels, whether it's foundation, whether it's podcast, whether it's being on this podcast, whether it's just storytelling, whether it is uh, attending you know different events back when outside was open. But it's <laughs> it's just um, it's an honor. It's an honor. It's a blessing, and I just never would have thought in my life that I'd be doing some of the things that I'm doing. But it's not about me. It's about who is the next. It's about all the other people. And so for me, um, you're saying thank you for uh, taking my time. I, I want to say thank you for recognizing, you know, what we're doing, um, you know, what's going on and, and allowing me to share. I thank you for that. So thank you, guys. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Drew. And it's, it's been a pleasure. Anything you guys ever need from me, please don't hesitate to reach out. Drew, maybe we should ask Gerard how uh, we can uh, figure out to get merchandise because we we want to get merch too on our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we got a great relationship with a uh, shout out to Seven Hundred Four Shop. They are uh, UNC Charlotte alumni as well, so a lot of a lot of good things have been birthed out of UNC Charlotte. There, uh, we're all around the same age, so I didn't really know them like that in college, but those guys are doing amazing stuff. So we have we have a we have a partnership with them where they already. Uh, they already do amazing stuff when it comes to clothing and, and in that retail space. So we, we partner up with them. We got a great relationship with those guys. They do 
amazing stuff. 704shop.com, shameless plug. All right, but, there um, we go. They're, 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 they're a great group uh, doing amazing things here in Charlotte. But uh, no, just, just start wherever you can. It's, 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 it's not a, it's not a tough, it's, it's, a, it's, it's not a tough code to crack. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thank you so much. And uh, for our listeners, again, this was um, a pleasure to have Gerard Littlejohn on, Executive Director of the Steve Smith Foundation. You can follow the Steve Smith Foundation at Steve Smith FDN on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much for listening. The Common Good Hour is produced by Common Good Data. To access the show notes and learn more about our speakers and guests, navigate to www.commongooddata.com slash podcast. Be sure to like us on Facebook and subscribe, rate, and review our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your pods. Spark dialogue with us on Twitter. You'll find us at the handle at Common Good Hour. We look forward to continuing our conversation with you.